We good? There we go. Knowing Wesley since, uh, I guess, fourth grade when I had the privilege to teach Miss Gray's science class for a semester, uh, makes me very nervous. Knowing that he has any kind of control or say in anything I'm doing. But he is, uh, he's an impressive young man compared to where he started way back then. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I believe he was, even at that point, he was chasing Morgan, and she did a better job of running away from him then. So. All right. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know seeing our pastor up there uh, baptizing this morning. Uh, a baptism in itself is a great way to start a service. And seeing our pastor up there uh, leading that, I know, uh, I hope that touched your heart as much as it did mine. Um, continue to pray for, uh, I mean, you should always be praying for your pastor. He'll take it. Um, I, if you want a better pastor, pray for your pastor. <laughs> if you want a different pastor, pay, pray for your pastor. <laughs> so, um, a couple of things. Next Sunday, uh, hopefully, Miss Lita will be able to get up here and share as we will kick off our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, and as Daniel mentioned, today is Palm Sunday. And the day uh, a week before the crucifixion and, and, uh, and the resurrection, when Jesus made his triumphal entry. Uh, if, if your Bible has headings, that's what it says, the triumphal entry, triumphant entry. Uh, when he came riding into town, he was being praised and, uh, and glorified, and things changed on him in a hurry. And so, um, uh, hopefully, that is, you know, we always would like to have our hearts uh, acknowledging what God has done for us. And this time of year uh, is always kind of a special remembrance of that. So, hopefully this week will uh, we'll be a little extra special on that for us. Um, Gabe, can you go ahead? Uh, before we get into this, I'm going to go ahead and open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord, that in our weakness and in our inadequacies, Lord, that you are a way maker. Uh, even when we don't see it, when we don't feel it, when we don't deserve it, Lord, you're working, you never stop. I pray this morning that... Uh, anything that I would say or do my my flesh, that it would uh, just be pushed out of the way, Lord, that your spirit would move, uh, that you would just take over our hearts. And Lord, I know that you're already moving through the songs that we've lifted up to you. Now, Lord, as we dig into your word, I just pray that that's what we cling to, that that's what we 
uh, find our hope and our truth in, Lord, uh, what you reveal to us through your Spirit. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' first name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, a couple of, we're only going to go through the first three right now. Anyone know who painted this? Jack, what you got? All right. Miss Sandra? Leonardo da Vinci, that is the world famous painting by Mar Leonardo da Vinci, the Mona Lisa. All right, the next one, and I had, I did everything I could to make this an appropriate church picture. <laughs> Does anyone know where this is? Who painted it? Sistine Chapel, and who painted that? Yeah, Michelangelo. I'm sitting here just running David in my head over and over. No, Michelangelo painted that while laying on his back upside down for four years and eventually ended up blind from the lead paint falling in his eyes. That's just for all you history nerds like me and Daniel. Anyone know what this is called or who sculpted it? I hear the thinker. Anyone know who sculpted the thinker? Yeah, Rodan. Thank you, Denver. Okay. Uh, and this was, uh, the thinker was, uh, is uh, one of the most famous sculptures. It is not near as old as the other two. Um, oh, went too far. Alright, so what do all three of these have in common? They're, they're famous masterpieces, right? Uh, Mona Lisa, even though Jack didn't know who painted it, he more than likely at least knew what it was called. Uh, the Sistine Chapel, it, most of it, most people in here have probably never been to the Sistine Chapel and, and seen that. That is the creation of Adam. That's God reaching out his hand uh, to Adam. Um, most people are pretty familiar with that. This, Rodin, maybe a little bit less familiar, but I heard rumbles of the thinker all throughout the room. So uh, most of you are pretty familiar with these. Um, so, thinking about this, what, if you were to pick something out, if these are all the masterpieces of these artists, what would be God's masterpiece? Now, last night, uh, Julia had been at our house. Oh, speaking of, I have, to, I have to make a correction from two weeks ago. Ayla did not create the watermelon out of clay. Julia created that. I was scolded rather heavily for that mistake. So, this, that was Julia's masterpiece, and she wanted the credit for it. Um, okay, sorry. So, what is God's masterpiece? Last night, Julia had been at our house, and, and the Callahans came over, and then they were leaving after the hogs won 
I knew Forrest was giving it to us. Um, and we walk outside, and how many of you walked outside last night and saw the moon? Right. Uh, and the moon was looked as full as it could be. I let Aaron know that the actual full, full moon was at 10.48 a.m. this morning, not last night. So, but it, it was a lot prettier last night than it was at 10.48 this morning. So, um, you know, we walked out and would just look at that and think of how beautiful it is. Um, Ayla and I, we were riding around uh, over the fire trail earlier this week, and as we were going on one horseshoe curve, there's a really pretty stream that was coming from the rain that we had had. I said, wow, you know, what is it that's just so pretty about flowing water? And then we went up on Pettyjean Mountain, and we were on the Seven Hollows Trail, and some of you may have seen Amanda and Jessica's pictures where our girls and Jessica went around behind a little waterfall on, on a part that's uh, the grotto, and it's just beautiful. I think about God's masterpiece, and we live close to the tallest mountain in Arkansas, and I like to go up on Magazine or Pettyjean or Mount Nebo and just look off and, and just admire the beauty that God has made, and I think about those things, and it's still not God's masterpiece. Uh, the psalmist says that the heavens declare God's glory. Uh, for us, our, our bodies, uh, really, not really interesting, but kind of fascinating fact that the average human body contains somewhere between 50 and 100 trillion cells. And each cell has about that many atoms inside it. And all that makes up our bodies. Uh, the, the, um, the average body has 75,000 miles of arteries and, and capillaries and veins running through our body. That's enough to go around the, world, uh, the earth three times. Like that's, that's pretty impressive handiwork that God ha has made. And yet our, our bodies are still not God's masterpiece. If you will, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Now we can get caught, caught up looking at all the things in the world. Um, most of us, ho hopefully all of us, when you've found your spouse, if you've found your spouse, looked at your spouse and thought, wow, found one of those masterpieces. And that's mine. Um, think that every morning, babe. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and I'm reading the NIV version right here, it says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. And so the word 
translated workmanship here in the original Greek is, is actually poema or poema, uh, from which we get our English word poem. Um, but it, it doesn't just mean poem. You know, we're not, we're not some uh, loving poem that God has created. Uh, here it indicates a, an actual masterpiece. That this is God's, you know, uh, Psalm 139 says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that psalm is, a lot of people love that psalm and, and, and use it to uh, think about how God has created us, how he knit us together uh, when no one else could see us. He had numbered our days. He, all the things that God saw and knew and did to make each one of us. Um, and this word is only used twice in the Bible. It's used right here in Ephesians 2.10, but it's also used in Romans 1.20. Um, in that verse, it's translated as the things that are made. So Romans 1.20, let's go there real quick. Flip to your left a little bit. Romans 1.20, For His invisible attributes, that is, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. So there it says, with what he has made, things that are made, things that are created. So there that Romans 1.20 says, speaks of the original creation. In the beginning, God created these things. And here in Ephesians 2.10, it's not talking about the original creation. It's talking about a new creation. Um, so what, are, what is God's masterpiece? It's not our bodies. It's us as believers. Those who have accepted Christ as their Savior are God's masterpieces. Um, what, what makes us so impressive? Most of us would say, uh, you know, I don't really feel like a masterpiece. We all have physical things about us that we would change. Uh, we have things about our attitudes that we would change. We would have things about where our minds go that we would change. So I, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like God's masterpiece. What what's makes us so impressive? Well, what makes us so impressive is that God didn't have much to work with in the first place. Uh, to create means to make something out of nothing, and God literally did that. Ephesians 2.1, if you go to the beginning of the chapter, uh, it it declares that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We're, we're nothing. Uh, we're just, just people walking around throughout our day. And we have some people who are still in that spot here this morning. God takes those sinners. He takes us from that, uh, that blank 
canvas that nothing and turn sinners into saints. Each masterpiece is completely the work of the creator. <clears throat> uh, you know, it, the, the pictures that we looked at, you know, the Mona Lisa and then the creation story the, and the thinker, none of those created themselves. You know, the, this sculpture, it was always inside the rock, but it didn't break itself out of the rock. Actually, this was made out of bronze. Just a big hunk of bronze. It was nothing. But the artist created this. The same thing's true when God creates His masterpieces. God takes what is here in our fleshly body and He creates something beautiful for His purpose. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Another thing that makes us being masterpieces so impressive was the cost. Now, when God created, looking at Romans 1.20, when God created the world, that didn't cost God anything. God doesn't, you know, Dusty and I were talking earlier this week, and he was talking about how God doesn't dwell in time. So in the Bible, we read six days, whatever that actually is and means. To God, that, that's irrelevant. God doesn't dwell in time. So it didn't cost him time. It didn't cost him energy. It says on the seventh day, he rested, he took a break. Really what he did, he stopped to enjoy what he had created. He wasn't tired from creating. So uh, the creation of the world didn't cost him anything. But I think all of us understand what it costs to create us and turn us into masterpieces. Um, during World War II, and I, I, I had never heard of this before, and some of you may be familiar, um, but in World War II, if you had a family member fighting in the war, then a lot of the houses that had the family member's gun would have a star in the window. And as those, um, and walking through uh, downtown New York, there's a little boy and his father and, and a little five-year-old, he, he says, Daddy, what is that? And the dad says, well, that's, that's somebody who has a family member who is fighting overseas. And then as they walk a little bit farther and they see another star and the little boy, he's just so excited and he's clapping and he's celebrating. He's like, wow, wow, there's another one, Daddy. And then he walks a little bit farther and they see another star, but this one is gold. And he says, Daddy, why, why is this one gold? And his dad says, well, the, the gold stars represent those who have lost a loved one in the war. And so the little boy, you know, understood wow like all, all of these that i've seen so far have given and now this one has given his life and so the little boy he, he didn't become sad he, he he started to celebrate even more as they're walking he's just he's just really on the outlook for these stars and he said daddy there's another one there's another one and then as they came to a clearing 
in the buildings, and there's an opening in all the sky, uh, skyscrapers and all the apartment buildings moved out of the way, and he saw the sky, and he sees a single star, and he looks at his dad, and he said, oh, dad, look, there's a star in the window of heaven. God must have given his son for us. Now, as a five-year-old boy, and he sees that, and he says, you know, wow, all these other people have done this. And he recognized, without knowing what he recognized, that God had given something up for us. Something special. It's not anything that we had done. It's because we couldn't do it for ourselves. We couldn't create. We couldn't turn ourselves into a masterpiece. You know, we're born with a heart that is wicked beyond all things. And God puts a new heart in us. He doesn't rearrange the old heart. But he puts a new heart in us. Uh, if we're looking now, if we continue to look at verse 10, in the Greek, this, this sentence begins with his. So with, with the Greek, there is no, I mean, words can basically end up anywhere in the sentence. So you could literally translate this as his, as in God, his masterpiece, we are. When Paul writes that we were created in Christ Jesus, he used a verb that means to create something new that never existed before. He doesn't say, well, yeah, he just, he just changed us or he just rearranged us. He says he created something new. And now, I think most of us know that it's a process. Creating a masterpiece doesn't just happen overnight. It's not something um, that, you know, that Leonardo da Vinci woke up and said, well, you know, I've been asked to paint this and walks into his studio and just creates the Mona Lisa. It took him approximately four years. Um, the, the stories and, and the, the different um, accounts that we have that have been written about Leonardo da Vinci. It said some days it was a single brush stroke. And then he would walk away and he wouldn't come back for several weeks. And so it took him four years, some say even longer, to create it. Michelangelo, the same thing. For four years or more, laying on his back, painting the Sistine Chapel. Rodin, whenever he was sculpting the thinker, he started in 1880, but he never actually revealed his final product until 1902. 22 years to continuously work on his masterpiece. In the same way, we don't become a finished work of art all at once. Paul writes that we were created but that we are God's masterpiece. So he says, you know, we, we were in the process. And that, when he says we were created, it wasn't like, okay, you're created and so you become. That is a continuous 
creation in the, in, the, in the way that the Greek writes it. It's continued action. Continually becoming. Uh, we talked about this morning in Sunday school as we were looking at the first chapter of Ephesians um, in verses 16 through 19 and, and, it's, and it's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and he talks about uh, how he prays for them to grow in their knowledge through revelation. And we got into how, you know, so many of us, we just say, okay, well, you know, God, um, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to be devoted to you, so I'm going to show up to church. I'm going to open my Bible or my devotional or my app on my phone or whatever it is, and I'm, I'm at least going to, because I'm so dedicated to you, God, because I love you so much, I'm going to make sure that I at least read this one verse today. And I, I'm, I'm going to pray for my family because I pray for my family every day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank you for my daily bread. I'm going to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I'm not going to call out those sins specifically because you already know them and there's no need for me to say them. I, you know, just, just please just forgive me of those sins. And as Dusty preached last week, you know, we, we follow those religious duties and we feel pretty good. But God says, you know, you are my masterpiece. Oh, I, that is you, me making you into something new. You know, there is a certain level of submission on our part. God says, hey, I'm here. I want to create you. I want to make you something new. I want to make you into something that is glorifying to me. Now, John, John Wooden is uh, one of the greatest basketball coaches that ever lived. Won 10 national championships uh, through the 70s and the 60s and 70s uh, with UCLA and uh, I've read several of his books and he passed away in 2010. But his father, Joshua Wooden, whenever John Wooden became an adult man, uh, gave him certain, a certain creed, certain things to live by. And uh, one, of the, one of the points was to make each day your masterpiece. And we had that up on Ayla's wall up until just a couple of months ago for the last seven years. Uh, make each day your masterpiece. You know, for us, God, there <clears throat> in verse 10, it says that God has created us for good works. Those good works are our gift back to God as God is continually turning us into a masterpiece, turning us into what He wants us to be. And he says, hey, you know, there's not, your works are not going to save you. Your works are not what's going to please me. But your works are, gonna what, are going to be what reveals me to the world. And that's where so often as Christians we get, we get caught up. Um, you know, it, it, it takes so much 
all, all these, all the different things, uh, all the different media that were used for these masterpieces. Uh, some of them were easier to work with than others. The Mona Lisa was painted on poplar wood. Michelangelo had to have one of his, his assistants develop a mold-resistant plaster so that when he painted it up and all the temperature changed and everything that was going on in the Sistine Chapel so that he could work with that and so he didn't finish this one part and get to another part and this part was already moldy. And then, as I said earlier, Rodin created this sculpture out of bronze. But for us, there's only one way that we're turned into a masterpiece. There's only one way that we can make each day our masterpiece. Paul mentions it over 70 times through, through all of his different letters. He uses the phrase, in Christ or in Jesus, repeatedly, or some equivalent of that, over and over. It says here in verse 10, for we are His creation, created in Christ Jesus. Uh, and our good works are through Christ Jesus. It's a daily step. It's a daily walk. Uh, as magnificent as the views that we saw on our hike were this week, as uh, most of you, all of you have been up on Mount Magazine. Some of you have been in the Rockies, just flying on an airplane. And you see how magnificent God has made our world. And it pales in comparison to what He wants to make you. What He wants to turn you into. It pales in comparison to what He wants to do in the world through you as you allow Christ to work and make each day your masterpiece. There it says, God prepared ahead of time these good works so that we should walk in them. That's a continuous, that's a moving. That's not so we can abide in them, so we can just be stagnant in those good works. You know, as, as I was thinking about this, as this, as this hit me earlier this week, um, I saw a video and it was and it was talking about um it was a preacher and he was talking about a hundred dollar bill he said you know whenever this hundred dollar bill was was created you know it's worth a hundred dollars if this hundred dollar bill ends up on the floor and it's stepped on or wadded up or goes to a crack house or flush down the toilet or ends up in the hands of the president it's still a hundred dollars it's still got its worth it still has a purpose and some of us have gotten to the point where we've forgotten that we have a purpose you know a year off being out of church, a year off from Sunday school, a year off from being able to go visit the sick, a year off from being able to, to say, hey, let's gather together and, and actually be in the same place to pray together. 
to intercede for our community, to, to care and cry about the lost. We've, we've lost that, and, and we've, we're thinking because of, our, because of our circumstances, because of the situations that, you know, those good works that I was doing, or maybe that I did 20 years ago, or that I did five years ago when I was really fired up because I had just given my life to God. Those good works have, have kind of, I, I did them. I feel really good about them. You know, somebody, uh, Miss Jerry, uh, messaged me earlier this week. I believe she messaged Dusty and Brett, said, you know, thank you for what you guys have done. Several of you have been uh, really encouraging to, to us as we've preached and, and to Daniel, um, just letting him know how much you care about him. And uh, for, for me, I'm realizing even more how much Daniel does for our church. And she said, you know, thank you for what you guys have done. And I told her, there's, there's been so many people, so many people who have done so many things in these last four weeks, so many things over this past year that have made such a huge impact. Dusty and Brett and I just talked the most. On, on Wednesday night, we've got people who drive the buses and uh, Lisa and, and Robert were zigzagging back and forth the first week. Lisa took, she took the dime. She said, hey, I'll just solve the problem. You go this way, I'll go that way. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but that's advancing the kingdom by doing the good work that God has planned ahead of time. That, hey, you're going to go get these kids. We're going to bring them in. These kids are being fed. They've been out of church for a year, and no matter what it takes, get them here. And as much as just riding on a bus and saying, hey, we don't want to waste time. We, we can get extra kids if we do this. We can, get, we can get the kids into the church sooner. We can have them spend more time in the house of God if we get things figured out. Uh, we, the, Doug and Carolyn, they took some extra kids into their class because that was going to make things smoother. It's going to make the kingdom run smoother. It's going to make church go better. It's the works that God is, has intended ahead of time where they say, hey, whatever it takes. And that's what God asks from all of us. He's, he's called us to do our good works. He wants us to just be submissive. He wants us to wake up each day and make each day our masterpiece. The good thing about it is we don't, we don't have to come up with well, what, what are my good works? No, it's not something where we have to wake up each day and get out our planner and, and sit and deliberate and say what what am I going to do today to fulfill God's will for my life? It's not a mystery. Uh, God, He gives, well, in James, He makes very clear. He writes, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which, he, which are needed for the body, what is it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, it does not, if it does not have works, is dead. Love your neighbor. That's one of the works that God has set aside for us ahead of time. The first three chapters of Ephesians right here are kind of the doctrine. And then the next three chapters of Ephesians are, are the process by which we live out that doctrine. We live in unity. We wake up each day, we put on the armor of God, meaning God says, hey, put on the full armor of God, prepare for battle each day. What is that battle? It's a spiritual battle. Prepare to go out and share the love of Christ. Share what God has done for you. Uh, talking again in Sunday school, and uh, we were talking about how sometimes it's, it's hard, sometimes it's uncomfortable, sometimes we get uneasy about sharing. I don't know the Bible well enough. You know, God's turning me into this masterpiece, but He's not finished yet, so I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm ready to go on with that. Well, two weeks ago, whenever I preached, and I used the story of the man where Jesus spit in the mud and, and used the mud to give this man his sight, and then the man just left him. And as that man was meeting with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees said, okay, hey, you can see now, right? And the guy said, well, yeah, obviously. And they said, well, is the guy who gave you your sight, do you believe he's the Messiah? This guy said, you know, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know what Scripture says. I don't know much. All I know is what he's done for me. That's what's part of our good works. Share with the world what God has done for you. Wake up each day, put on the full armor of God, and go out into a spiritual battle ready to win souls for Christ. Ready to love the unlovable. To reach the unreached. Sincere service sacrifice. We've, we've got it. This year, we're talking about pursue. Go out and pursue. Pursue a deeper relationship with Christ. Pursue the lost because God has called us to go into all the world preaching and teaching and baptizing. Those are the good works that God has set up for us. It's not a mystery. It's not, it's not something strange. I have way too many pages. All right. Most of you are probably not familiar with the name of Robert Simon. Robert Simon um, is an art collector. And, you know, he, we all have, most of us, several of you, we're able to name all three of these artworks. Robert Simon, that's, that's what he does. He likes, to, uh, he likes to collect. He likes to find art. And uh, at an auction, he, he believed, he and a group believed that they had found 
an extremely rare painting. There was a different painting that was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Many people thought that this painting was uh, an imitation that some of da Vinci's workers had painted, and through years and years it had been uh, painted over and people, uh, things had been done to it, and it just looked like a dark and gloomy, drab picture. And in, 19, in the 1950s, this picture sold for $62.50. Um, a few years later, it got sold for $10,000. People started to think, well, you know, even if it is, if it's really this old, even if it was from Leonardo da Vinci's students, it's still an old picture. It's still pretty valuable. And so um, as, they, as they went through and as, as time has gone, o- gone on over the last 70 years, uh, people start thinking, okay, well, maybe this is, maybe there's a little bit more to this. So in 1950, $62.50. In 2005, it sold for $10,000. A few years Later, people still, a lot of people still weren't convinced that it was a real Leonardo da Vinci. But as, uh, as Simon and his group bought it and they had it taken to a lady who restores old art and she started to strip away the layers she started to kind of get down, and they got to the, to the surface, to the original painting, and they realized that it was, that it is a painting created in the year, approximately the year 1500, so over 600 or over 500 years ago. And in 2017, this, this picture, go ahead, Gabe. This picture from Leonardo da Vinci, the Salvatore Mundi, the savior of the world. 25.8 inches by 19.2 inches, sold at the Christie's auction house. And it's now in uh, the Louvre in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. Sold for $62.50 in 1950. In 2005, just 16 years ago, sold for $10,000. Four years ago, in 2017, this picture, once it was restored and the masterpiece was fully revealed, sold for $450.3 million almost half a billion dollars for this picture. Now there are stories of many different pieces of art that have similar stories. Uh, All the art, all the old art masterpieces have 
upwards into the trillions of dollars of value if you add them all together. God didn't say, hey, um, my masterpiece is, is some pretty painting that's created by human hands. My masterpiece is, is, is the person who has given their life over to me. My masterpiece is the one who has submitted and said, yeah, you know, you're the potter. I'm the clay, Lord. Mold me and make me. It didn't, masterpieces don't have an age limit. They don't have an expiration date. They don't have a, a stopping point. God didn't say, I, I've created your good works for you to do up to a certain point. I'm going to make you a masterpiece and, and then we're just going to call it good. God didn't say that. He says, I'm making you. I'm continuously creating you. So, today as we come to a close, my question is, two questions. Have you given yourself over fully to God? Say, God, I, I, I submit myself to you you are the one who can create me. You are the one who can turn me into something that changes the world. And by the world, I mean the world that you are in. Your, your world, your circle. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't change the world. Yes, you change your world. You change the people in your world. Are you being submissive to God to let Him do that? And then, if you have said that at some point, are you still doing that? Are you still saying, God, you know, you're not finished with me. I, whatever I've done in the past, God, you still have good works for me. So, uh, however God would have you respond this morning to those two questions, uh, if you need, want to come forward, do business with God at the altar. Uh, maybe you need to spend time just, just praying for whatever it is. Somebody, uh, something. The altar's open. You can pray in your, in your chair. Um, we've got more baptisms coming up. And we'd love to keep the baptistry flowing. Uh, we'd love to continue to celebrate and rejoice at lost souls giving themselves. We love to celebrate with you as you say, God, you know, I, I do, I haven't been serving my purpose. I want to be serving that purpose. So as Brett and the others come, I'll pray for us and then you can respond and let God do, do business. Lord, we thank you for always, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, you call us your, your masterpiece, your poema. Lord, and it's, you didn't create us to sit in a dusty church, and you didn't create us to sit in a museum. Lord, we are created to be mobile we're created 
to be seen and moved throughout the world. Lord, I pray that uh, today, or despite anywhere where I got in the way, Lord, that, that your spirit is what truly moves people. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we just pray that you just, uh, just lead us to respond to you. Jesus Christ, now I pray.